You can go ahead and have a seat. And um, it's my privilege to be able to introduce to you um, a man that came into my life about six years ago. And um, the Lord has used Kyle Martin, who is the founder of an evangelist for Time to Revive Ministries, to fundamentally change my heart towards the advancement of the kingdom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I have to say this, that because of um, Revive Indiana back in 2015 has had a fundamental adjustment and a fundamental culture shift for First Baptist Church. Because of the teaching and the ministry of Kyle Martin, his wife Laura is a major part of that ministry. Laura, just wave. I won't make you stand up, but just come on, wave higher. There you go. There's Laura right there. Let's welcome Laura um, to church today. We're just so glad that you're here. I think the kids will all be here second service, right? And they'll all be here for that. But um, first time I met Kyle, um, I was invited because I, had, I was getting ready to be voted in as the lead pastor, which was crazy that that would even happen, but that was getting ready to happen in like two weeks. And Dave Bailey, and we had talked about the fact that, you know, what a better way to start off a ministry than just do a revival series. And so Pastor John and I had decided we're just going to open up with a revival series. Dave Bailey, um, one of the men in our church here, he came to me and he goes, you serious about that revival thing? And I said, yeah, we are. And he goes, well, there's some guy, some young evangelist that's doing a breakfast at the Essen house. And so um, if you want to come here, what's going to haunt, they're supposed to be bringing revival to Indiana. And I will, I'm in, you know, so I go there and I go to this breakfast and, and during the presentation of what, the description of what Revive Indiana was going to look like, which at the time we really had no clue what that was going to look like. The Lord knit my heart to Kyle's in a special way. I'd never heard of him before, never met him before. And all I knew was that I needed to jump on the train that Kyle was conducting at that time and what the Lord was going to bring to this area. I walked up to him that day afterwards, after the breakfast, as you don't know who I am. I said, but uh, I introduced myself and I said, um, I'm getting ready to be voted in maybe. <laughs> <laughs> if they will do it, um, as the lead pastor of First Baptist Church. And all I want to say to you is, if, we're, if they vote me in, I'm gonna lead our church. We're all in. We, I don't know what this is all about, but we're gonna be all in because this is what the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be about, the advancement of the kingdom. So Kyle is, has a unique way of teaching the church of Jesus Christ. That's on his heart. You know, the old evangelist style, Billy Graham, is bring your friends to hear the gospel. Kyle's ministry and Kyle's heart is bring your brothers and sisters in Christ in to hear how to take the gospel out. And so I thought no better time to have an evangelist here to help us than at the, at the eve of a brand new year, especially after a year like we just had and a year of uncertainty as we move forward, than to ask Kyle Martin from Time to Revive to come and charge us up and do what he does best and that is challenge the church of Jesus Christ. So would you help me with a great big warm welcome to Kyle Martin to our platform. Uh, good morning. You know, it's, a, it's such a delight and honor. Uh, I'm really humbled uh, to be here 
on so many levels. Uh, I grew up in Middlebury, 711 Highland Drive. I can give that address out because I don't live there anymore. <laughs> and I uh, went to, you know, Middlebury Elementary and Heritage and Northridge. My folks own the Ace Hardware. And like, this is just, this is my area. This is my hometown. And so when God calls you back to an area to pray for revival, to pursue revival, like you kind of have a feel for the dynamics of the area, of what it's like, and, and you kind of have an area of, there's a lot of religion in the reality of this area. And I'm like, God, if you're gonna call me back here, it has to be a move of God. And God moved in a really special way. He connected our hearts to Maple City. Uh, Jay Shetler, he, he just opened up his doors for 52 days. And it's, who does that? I remember the whole staff of Maple City was mad at me because they had to open up every morning and every afternoon. And, like, and then I got to know Pastor Phil. I got to know Pastor Tom and Pastor Gordy. And what became what is a family is what happened. God created what to me I saw as the body of Christ and Christ is the head. That's what I got to experience. And we've had our ups and downs. We've gone through the ins and the outs. I've had people you know, put letters on places that say, we don't like you, go home. And I'm like, well, I am home, or is this not home? You know, my parents at the store, they got, you know, business threats and theological concerns and you, you name it. But yet, I never, I'll never forget one, one line somebody said, well, if this is of God, then it will stick. If it's of man, it will disappear. And I'd love to tell you, um, God is still moving. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your family. You see, when you travel a lot, not in 2020, <laughs> that's another blessing, you always are looking for family. And when the Apostle Paul traveled, he went into areas that he knew he could count on and call family. And I just, I need to publicly say to those that are watching online, I need to publicly say to you that are here, thanks for allowing Laura and I to be a part of your family. You do it on so many ways. And when you travel and you speak, it's really nice to see a face that you're like, yes. Because when we process 2020, I had a list, I saw a list, I created a list of all of the things that happened this year. Now, if you were to create a list of 2020, not personal, but like just in life, you know, you could start off with, you know, I wrote down some things, the Australian brush fires that happened at the end of 2019 that came into 2020. Do you remember that? The fires that started to take off. And then Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, they decided to quit the royalty. Who does that? You can just quit the royalty? That's 2020. Then I started seeing the other list. Remember when Kobe Bryant passed away? You know, the helicopter and his daughter and many others. And then whether you're on one side or another, it really doesn't matter to me, but you know, everybody and their brother was going after President Trump to get him out of the office sometime in 2020. It was nonstop, was it not? Nonstop, again, doesn't matter, Democrat or Republican, he was just consistent. And then, and then you had the, the, the unfortunate death of uh, uh, the Black Lives Matter and George Floyd situation. And George Floyd passed away and was killed. It created an uproar in this country where people decided they were or they weren't racist, it was happening everywhere. You had to be careful all of a sudden what you said because you might offend somebody that you didn't even know you were gonna offend. And so like it was just this nonstop ongoing and then you throw in these murder hornets. You guys heard about those? 
in Beirut, there was a massive explosion. The West Coast wildfires. This was all this year. We lost a Supreme Court justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were, as of right now, they were, uh, you know, the president-elect and vice president-elect. There is a lot that is going on in our country. And now you add a new one with a vaccine. Should I or should I not? Right? So then I started coming to the reality of one major thing, COVID. COVID-19. Classic that they named it 19, but I think of it as COVID-20. Do you not? You know that's why it's named that, right? 19. I know you learned that as well. We listen to you, Phil. When I think of COVID-19, I think of these words. Start thinking of the words that you would come up with. Quarantine. You know, it's actually in Leviticus, but nobody talks about that. You have the word isolation. How about the phrase stay away? You know, it's like all of this mentality. I live in Dallas, so Dallas is a, a larger city than Elkhart. And so the, the, the regulations, everything is, everything is heightened because you have a whole lot more people. And then the whole phrase six feet has a new term. Masks. Do you ever just try to get somebody to smile behind the mask? I, I... <laughs> How about on the retail floors? You got the little spots. Stand here. Do you ever play the game? Don't stand there and stare at the stop. And just see if somebody says something. Or in Walmart, you guys have the Walmarts where they have the, you have to walk this way. You ever do that? And you can only, do you guys not have that here? Yeah. And you walk against it just to see if anybody says something. Nobody does, but they stare at you funny. You know, uh, the no hugs thing, the whole air hugs thing. Look, I get it. You guys are not doing this. But across the country, like it's happening. And so then you have the elbow shakes. You know what I'm talking about, right? It is so awkward, by the way. There's nothing natural about an elbow shake. The whole washing hands. But here's where I want to go today. When I think of COVID-19, when I think of 2020, I think of essential workers. Now, essential workers, I have a definition here. It's they conduct a range of operations and services, typically essential to uh, critical, to continue critical infrastructure operations. So what you have here is uh, essential workers have been labeled, there's an organization called the EPI. They labeled essential workers into 12 categories. And in fact, statistically in the United States, they said there's 55 million of you essential workers in the country. 55 million. Oh, well, that's interesting. Well, who, who makes that? Well, you got mass transit, airport, food, energy, banks, funeral homes, and the media. Now, I know I left off some. You have, obviously, the medical. There's lots of different ranges, and I am beyond thankful that people are willing to put themselves in harm's way. Thank you. Uh, COVID's real. Well, I have six in our family. Five of us got COVID. The one was my little boy, Jude, who thinks he's a superhero. Five out of six didn't get it. And you know where we got it? At a worship service. Would I do it again? Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody ever heard of Maverick City before, music? If you haven't, listen to them, please. Uh, we were at a small little gathering of spending time worshiping the Lord with some folks, some friends. Five days later, we get the text. Hey, by the way, you've been exposed and so then that began a whole journey, and I just began to think about this whole essential worker theme. And so here's where I want to run today. We're going to run with a text today all about essential workers. Just as a backdrop, uh, there's roughly 331 million Americans, okay? 
Pew Research came out and said 65%, 65% say they are Christian in our country. Now look, everybody's got statistics. Barna, Pew Research, you throw it out there. But if you take 65% of 331, you have this number of 215 million say they're Christian in our country. Can I say this then? If that's true, 215 million people are essential workers. You are essential. Look, I, I want to honor and respect those in the government. Absolutely. Scripture talks about we need to submit to those that are our government. But if they get to the point, you guys, where they tell you, you cannot talk about the Lord, you cannot gather, that is not of the Lord. So I want to declare to you now today, you are essential. Please believe this. Don't categorize it as a nurse. Don't categorize it as a doctor. Don't categorize it as a police officer or somebody that's flying. You are essential. And what's happening in America, you guys, statistically, in our country, the church is waiting for us to open back up. That's what we're waiting. We're waiting for all of a sudden the doors to be opening up. You guys are like, well, we're not. You're an exception. Do you realize across the country, we're waiting for things to go back to normal? It's not. And you should be okay with that. You don't want to know why? Because there has to be a shift in the church. And when I say a shift in the church, it can no longer be this mentality of Pastor Phil or the worship. You are essential as well. Does that make sense? Uh, it's, good back to be, it's good to be back in Indiana. A lot of head nodding going on. <laughs> I know you're with me when you nod your head. <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen, brother. So what does it look like to be an essential worker for the kingdom of God in this time? And I want to even categorize this time as the end times. Have you guys ever had a conversation? You think maybe somebody's heard that we're in the end times? Anybody had that conversation? Would you raise your hand if you've had a thought that this is the end times? The reality is, Paul thought it, so should we. So in your backdrop of your lesson today, in Matthew 25, if you guys would, go to Matthew 25. I'm a big fan of opening up the word or turning it on your phone. I'm sure it'll also be on the screen here as well. But Matthew 25, it, 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 this is kind of how this works for me. Uh, for me, I want to do a backdrop real quick. Matthew 24 is all about the disciples. They're hanging out with Jesus, and this is what I love. They're like, hey, Jesus, could you tell us when the end is going to happen? Could you tell us, when is all of this going to unfold? And what Jesus does in Matthew 24, as he's talking to his disciples, he begins to unpack the end. You know how many people want to know about the end times? Everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to know, does this have anything to do with what's really happening, the end? And so in Matthew 24, you see the signs of the end. You're gonna see these kingdoms fighting against each other. You're gonna see earthquakes. You're gonna see fathoms. And then the scripture says, this is just the beginning. This is the birthing pains. And then when you keep going to Matthew 24, really nine and on, persecution is coming. Persecution is coming. The church has to start telling their people, get ready for persecution. You're like, never in America, watch. I don't, I don't intend to say this is a prophecy. Scripture says it's coming. So you have to get ready for this mentality. Now, as it comes, guess what? If you look at Matthew 24, I know I'm not giving you specific verses for a reason. Eventually, you're gonna see, okay? Now, some are pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. You're like, oh, dear Lord. 
What does that mean? It just means you either will be here for the seven years of hell on earth or you won't. I don't really care. I just wanna get you ready just in case you are. Somebody wrote me and said, hey, don't talk about the return of Christ. Talk about the rapture. Yeah, you might get raptured. I don't know when, but I'm telling you, I know he's coming back. So if that's the reality, at some point, there's gonna be a seven-year period of time that's not gonna be good. For the first three and a half years, you guys, it's gonna seem calm and peaceful. Watch out. When you see peace break out, and then all of a sudden, by the way, there has to be a temple built in Jerusalem. Did you know that? There has to be a third temple, not Solomon's, not Zerubbabel's, but, but uh, the third temple in Jerusalem, in Old City. There's gonna be a temple, and at some point, this guy called the Antichrist is gonna come in to the temple, and he's gonna declare, just like Daniel said, he's God. And for these seven years, at that three and a half year break, here we go. I have no idea if you're here or if I'm here. It doesn't actually matter to me. I just want to get you ready. Because you see, an essential worker is always ready. Always. And so Jesus is telling his disciples in Matthew 24, look, he just begins to unpack all of this. And this is where it gets kind of fun. In Matthew 24, as you see this unpacking, Jesus has to come back. The coming of the man, the son of the man is coming. And he keeps saying, but nobody knows the time. Nobody, nobody knows the time. So by the way, there's no prediction on my end of exactly when he's coming. If anybody ever prophesies when he's coming back, false prophet, leave them as fast as you can. But the way that an essential worker is ready is you actually have to have a manual that you use. Nobody can take this away. So that's your backdrop of your message today. And when you jump into Matthew 25, Jesus says, hey, nobody knows. He then talks about these 10 virgins. And then he begins to get into the the parable of the talents. And then after that, he gets into the sheep and the goat nations. All of this is preparation, you guys, for his return. And so when you look in Matthew 25, specifically verse 14, if you guys are gonna take notes, I'd really encourage you to start digging in with me here. It says this, in Matthew 25, verse 14, it's up on your screen as well. It says, for it is just like a man going on a journey. Here's the reality. It is the kingdom of God. So what you're gonna see here is, is this. It says, it's like a man, that's Jesus, that's the master. Okay, I'll just continue to walk and teach through this like that. It says, Jesus is going on a journey. Scripture then says in Acts, I, I love this text, and it, it implies, by the way, that Jesus is going to test those that he's leaving. Did you hear this? This journey implies, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to be coming back. So I want to put those that I'm around to a test. So in Acts 1, 6 through 7 and 8, He just said to them, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, guys, you're not gonna know when I'm coming back, but I want you to know I'm leaving. So in the the beginning of Acts, he is going to ascend, okay? Jesus was already on earth. He's going to ascend. That's the journey. Does everybody understand? The journey is he's going to be back up at the right hand of the Father. That's where he is today. Everybody with me on that? He is at the right hand of the Father, so then who does he entrust with us today? The Holy Spirit. But he says, I gotta go away for a time. And in fact, I think this is really cool. In Acts 1, 9 through 11, the bottom of the verse, it just says this. This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven 
and suddenly, keep going there, he thinks, has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you've seen him going into heaven. So this man that's on a journey, how's he coming back? Somebody shout it out. Same way, so how did he go? He ascended on a cloud. So how can you expect the master Jesus to be coming back? On a cloud. So if he says all of a sudden that Jesus is in Argentina and you never saw him, there's a good chance it's not Jesus. I'm serious. There's a lot of weirdos out there. And they're claiming these false things. Jesus says, I'm coming back and everybody's gonna see it. Don't try to figure out if it's through Facebook and if you don't have Facebook, are you gonna see Jesus? Don't worry about any of that stuff because I know some of you get into that stuff. But now watch this. Jesus goes on a journey. I'm back in verse 14. And then this is the best. This is so fun for me. It says he called his own slaves and turned over his possessions to them. So as Jesus is getting ready to go on a journey, what does he do? He gathers a team huddle. Guys, I'm getting ready to leave. But what you'll see on the scripture is it says this. Look at this. He called his own slaves. Now, there's a guy named Stephen Moyer. And Stephen Moyer just talks about this calling. Like when he calls his slaves, he's calling them by name. I want you to know everybody in this room, he knows your name. Isn't that awesome? He knows your middle name. He knows you didn't get a middle name because you wanted one, but your parents never gave you one. You know, he knows all that stuff. He knows you changed your name. But he calls you by his name. And, and, and this is what I love, by his name. And then at that point, there's some form of, I'm, I'm gonna go all evangel, uh, evangelistic on us for a second. There's a conversion that takes place. When he calls you, you are leaving the old and entering into the new. You are coming to him with a new identity, okay? So when he calls you, okay, in 1 Corinthians, it's not gonna be up on the screen, don't worry. 1 Corinthians 7 talks about, and I love this, he called you as a slave, but now you're a Lord's freedman. You're a part of the free group. But even though you're free, what are you? You're a slave to Christ. Please don't get hung up on things of the past of slavery. I'm not talking about slavery, please. There are some things that have not been good that have happened in our country. I'm not addressing that issue. I'm addressing the issue we are slaves to Christ. And so Jesus calls all of his servants. And look what it says he does. When he calls them, it says he turned over his possessions to them. This master gives all of his people his possessions. I have to admit, I've always wondered what that was. Like, what are the possessions? This master, he's leaving. We don't know how long he's gonna be gone for. You know, what are those things that in the military that you eat, those little things that are dry? MR what? MREs. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he gave everybody MREs. Good luck. Maybe he said, stock up on toilet paper. You need some hand sanitizer. But when the master leaves, that's what we do as the church. We do the things that the world does. We can't live like that. We can't live like we need all of the earthly things. We need the gifts that he's given us. That's what makes you essential. And when you function, listen to this church, when you function based on the earthly things, you'll fall. But when you function on the possessions that he gives you, you'll thrive. The church, Dr. Robert Coleman, a friend and mentor of mine, he always says the church should be growing in this season, not declining. Over and over you see this periods of growth in the book of Acts. Why? Because they understood the gifts and the possessions that they were given. 
Look, I, I think toilet paper is essential. <laughs> but don't bank on Walmart having it all the time. I can't believe I'm gonna say this. Your gifts are better than toilet paper. Dear Lord. <laughs> so here's my question. When the master goes on a journey, do you realize he's distributing to every one of you gifts? Every one of you. Every one of you. When he ascended and you said, call me Jesus by my name. When you identified as that new identity, he's giving you gifts. But most of us in the church don't even realize you've been blessed. I want to walk you through the distribution of the possessions of what this could look like. And first, first of all, I want you to go to Matthew 7, 11. <laughs> None of those things make you laugh. 7-Eleven's headquarters are in Dallas, by the way. Look, if you then, Matthew 7, verse 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, look at this, give good things to those who ask him. He wants to bless you. Look, you're like, oh, he's going prosperity. Chill out, relax. I'm gonna, I'm gonna break it down even farther. He wants to give you good gifts. I'll prove it in scripture over and over and over. He went on a journey and he's giving you gifts, but we don't identify what they are. He wants to give you these possessions. Now there's another text, Romans 12, four through six. Paul says this, for by the grace given to me, I tell everybody among you not to think of himself more highly. I love this text. Then he thinks, instead think sensibly. As God has, watch, has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in our body, in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. You know what that says to me? Quit comparing yourself to another Christian. Quit saying, I'm not the preacher guy, or I'm not the hospitality person, or I don't make the coffee, or I'm not the deacon. Quit doing that. That's the lie from the enemy. And the enemy then says, oh, look, he's lost his identity. Look, he's given you specifically possessions. Receive these possessions. He's on a journey. And everybody has been given these gifts. But don't compare yourself if you're not on national television. Don't compare yourself if your church is a size of 50 compared to a church of 1,000. Everybody, he gives gifts differently. You want to know how FBC can thrive? Embrace the gifts he's given specifically to you. There's multiple texts. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, four through seven. Look, over and over, Paul says this. Now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God activates, look at this, activates each gift in each person. So here's what I see these possessions taking place. When you're given these, position, uh, these possessions, it's like you're given an assignment. It's almost like he's activating you to be essential. But the reason the church doesn't believe we're essential is we don't even know we've been activated to do this. I know I'm not even getting into it. I just wanna show you in scripture over and over. He says, I'm giving you these possessions. And in fact, in Matthew 25, verse 15, as we continue on this text, it says, to the one he gave five talents, two and to another one to each according to his own ability, then he went on a journey. Here's what I have to tell you. If you're in a room and you're lined up and the guy gets five, are you the guy that's mad because you only got one? Because if you are, you're living an identity from Satan. That's not an identity from the Lord. The Lord is giving you the gifts based on the measure that he says, that's what, you can, that's, that's what I'm gonna give you. Does that make sense? 
I know that sounds so simple, but when you live in this place, you live in peace. Not covetousness, not jealousy. You're good with where you're at. You're good that you are, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. And so now when we think of talents, I think it's okay. I had a professor, Tom Constable, he says, now don't just limit these talents to money. It could be spiritual gifts. It could be natural abilities. It could be the gospel. It could be service. It could be money. But either way, it says in Romans 12, 6 through 8, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. And now watch. He begins to break up what some of these gifts could be. In order to be an essential worker, you got to begin to understand what has he given you. And you see in this text, Romans 12, a couple of illustrations. It says this, according to the grace, if prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith, if service, in service, if teaching and teaching, if exhorting and exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. In other words, it's okay if you're not a natural leader, but maybe you have the gift of mercy. Maybe you have the gift of service. But you can't just say all, some of these are good. You have to say all of these, you guys. You could, somebody in this room could have the gift of, of prophecy, maybe of teaching. The point is this, when the church, this 215 million so-called number, if we realize that we are essential workers and we all functioned in different parts, Christ would actually look like the head. So every one of us has to realize the master has gone and he's given you possessions. He's given me possessions. If you go to 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, a demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce, watch this, what is beneficial. If these gifts are being used, these possessions are being used, that's not beneficial for the kingdom, it's not of the Lord. If it creates confusion, it's not of the Lord. Everything should point to Jesus. You know, when Phil called me, I was actually walking in Richardson on my sidewalk in front of my house, and he said, hey, would you, would you consider about coming on December 27th? And uh, it was interesting to me because I think for me, uh, he, he just said, I just said, well, what do you wanna, where, do you, where do you want me to go? And he just said, keep looking forward, please. Just look, you remember that? You just said, let's look forward. I believe when you realize you have the gifts inside of you, you will radically want to look forward. You want to be used by the Lord. You won't live in this past of, I don't have anything. Scripture says, no, he's given you something. There should never be a shortfall in the church ever for any area of need. From finances to serving to teaching to leading to mercy. Why? Because if we all functioned in our gifts, you would see this place flipped upside down. I'm not gonna read it, but I'm gonna pull out some of these verses in 1 Corinthians 12, seven through 11. You see there's wisdom, that's a gift. There's some of you that have the gift of wisdom, praise God. Some of you have knowledge. Some of you have faith. Some of you have uh, healing. Healing, you know that's a gift, healing? There's miracles. You know miracles is a gift? According to 1 Corinthians 12, prophecy, discernment. How about discernment? I wanna just say these things very simply for one reason. All of these are here while you're waiting for the master's return. 
I'm gonna sit on this for just a second. All of us are waiting for his return. The question is, is what are we doing with what we've been given? If we're waiting for the church to open back up, we missed our mark. This should be the best, most exciting time in the church history right now. You realize you could actually be a part of the return of Christ? Do you realize that? Do you know that the numbers they're saying, and these aren't predictions, these are just estimations from ministries that do ministry all over the world, share the gospel, work with translations. Do you realize that practically speaking, in 10 years, practically speaking, if the laborers actually went out, do you realize that every people group could actually hear the gospel? We've never been able to say that in our lifetime. That's not a prediction of Christ's return. I'm just talking about actually when this, you know how that happens? When we use our gifts. You know, missionaries have to go. You got to send them with finances. But you know what? Missionaries need encouragement. That makes sense? There's lots of different gifts in this process. And all I want to go is go to Ephesians 4, verse 7 and 8. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. Hang in here with me on this one. This is awesome. It says, for when he ascended on high, he took prisoners into captivity, and then look what it says he did. He gave gifts to people. Do you realize right before our master went to be ascended, he gave gifts to all of us? All of us. Now, some of you are processing right now, good. What is your gift? What are your gifts? What are your possessions? Now, <laughs> I love this because in Ephesians 4, in 9 through 13, it says he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why do we have these gifts? Why do we have these roles? For the training of the saints in the work of the ministry. Why do you have gifts and possessions? To build up the body of Christ. Why do we have these gifts and possessions? Until we all attain, reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of God's sons. Your gifts and your possessions, what do they do for? To grow into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. All of this points to growth. And you know what happens when growth occurs? Then he says, I'm coming back. And so you have this uh, distribution of all of these possessions. So now here's the question. When you go to Matthew 25, verse 15, how will you respond to when you have this gift? How will the workers respond to actually the possessions being distributed? Okay, so what, Kyle? I, maybe I have the gift of mercy. So what? Maybe I have the gift of leading or, you know, organization or however you want to, administration, whatever these functions are. Here's what happens to these guys. In Matthew 25, it says, immediately the man who had received five talents went and earned five more. Immediately, when this guy was basically commissioned out, he did not hold back. He didn't wait. Until they said, okay, uh, in two weeks, the plague is gone. I think by March of 2021, you're going to be good to go out and hang out with your neighbors. Church, we can't play that game anymore. Jesus, can you imagine Jesus going up to the guy with the, the leper? I'll do it to you so they don't feel like they're lepers. <laughs> and can you imagine if he's like, oh, oh, oh Sorry. Six feet. You're like, Kyle, you're really promoting against all this. I'm not. I'm just trying to show you why we're essential. We have a life-giving message. And we have to give it away. How dare us think if we stay in here long enough, maybe they'll come inside the building. Are you kidding me? 
They're not gonna come in here. They're afraid. And if we function in this fear, they don't want what we have. You have to be different. We're essential. We have the answer. Amen? Amen. You gotta understand, I'm not against the government. I'm not against (laughs) congressmen. (laughs) But I am telling you, I submit to one king. And it is time that if we are gonna get ready for his return, you gotta start acting like he is your king. God help us. We don't respond immediately, but I believe we can. This church can. 2020, you have nothing to wait for. Bristol could be changed because you went. And you could go by showing mercy, by the way. You could go by serving, by the way. You could go by giving. Your generosity in this church is ridiculous. You could totally give to the neighborhood. Whatever your gift is, don't just think you have to go through a Bible and a tab to say you gotta share the gospel. Use your gifts, please. Immediately, the guy with five, he went, and then it just says, well, he earned five more. In the same way, the man with two, he earned two more. In other words, they had a game plan, and as soon as Jesus ascended, they are gone. I think the church is waiting for something, and I don't know what we're waiting for. Immediately, they went and used their gifts. You know how, real, how, how vital camera folks are? This is actually going online to people everywhere. They're your gifts. They're your talents. They're your possessions. Guys that are running slides trying to keep up, praise the Lord. It's a gift. It's a talent. We need all of it, you guys, to get ready for his return. The five, the two, They doubled. Why did they do this? Because in Matthew 9, 37, it says this, the harvest is what? Abundant. But the workers are few. They had the same problem of essential workers in the first century as we do today. We need essential workers, and it's the church. Do you believe that? You wanna know how I know you believe it? You'll live it. You'll do it. So what's an essential worker? I got a couple of definitions up here. There's five of them actually. Uh, One is, is an essential worker is this. You have to have a love for the master. You won't do this, the gifts, the possessions, unless you love him. Second one is, is that you are willing to understand his instructions. So in other words, the master says, I'm going away, here's the gifts. But if you don't love him and you're not willing to receive what he's giving you, you won't do number three. But an essential worker will always obey and never question. An essential worker will obey the instructions that he's giving you. And what drives you? Not legalism, love. When you have a love for the father, You want to be an essential worker. And it continues on to number four. Uh, You're gonna trust God that he'll bring about the results. Don't produce it. You can't manufacture it. You know, Revive Indiana, it's crazy. You know, here we are five, six years later now since we first met. Like, I would have never predicted this. But you can't make it happen. You can't make your gifts happen. 
It's from the Spirit of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. So if you don't realize it's the Spirit of God, you're doing it in your flesh. When you are an essential worker, here's the best part. You're an essential worker because you believe he's coming back today. You're an essential worker because if you go home and you take off for the afternoon, I'm not saying don't rest, but you just mentally check out and then you do it for another week and then you mentally check out for another week to the point where you've done this for a long time, you don't live like the Messiah's coming back. We have got to communicate our message differently. Jesus is coming back. And I want you to be ready. Five talents, he went and he used the five. Two talents, he went or she went and used those talents. But then... There's always the classic one. Matthew 25, 18 says, but the man who received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Before we do this, I gotta say something. You know, in 2018, we did what was called Revive School. Some of you in this room were a part of Revive School. Some of you are still a part of Revive School. Thank you. Phil came and taught that first year a part of Revive School. Do you realize that for 2018 and 2019, we taught through the entire Bible, Genesis through Revelation, In all 66 books, you know what we did? We pointed out where the Messiah was in every single book of the Bible. So this last January, what did we do? We did a graduation at Clinton Frame Church on County Road 35. There's maybe 200 of us having a graduation at Cap and Gown. We partied, we had a great time. But then COVID hit. I had a choice. Do we wanna just stop and wait for the Messiah to come back and say, man, this, this year really sucks? I can say that word, my mom's not in this room. 11 o'clock, I won't say it. (laughs) Or do you realize that because he's coming back any time that you want to use your gifts today, regardless of COVID? Now, I want you to understand something. I'm not minimizing COVID at all. Uh, Just this last week, Laura and I had a good friend that, uh, (laughs) he died. It's real, COVID's real. I'm not gonna say that it's not but that shouldn't stop us from going. It shouldn't stop us from going. And so we put Revive School out there before the Lord. As of today, literally today, we're in 31 countries since May. We have over 3,200 students all over the world. Rwanda's gonna start very, very soon. South Sudan is gonna start. And what does it look like they're doing? They're studying the word for two years and they're getting Bibles and bands and gospel cards and they're going out and they're sharing. I got an email yesterday, two days ago, on Christmas day, 12 people got baptized in Burundi, 12. Just yesterday, I know this was on Christmas as well. uh, A guy in Malawi, Apostle Andrew, he trained over 200 people with these little cards all because I believe I'm an essential worker just like you. We can't stop during this pandemic. In fact, it's probably gonna get worse. I'm not declaring that, I'm just, so what if it is? We're essential to what they need. We have the answer. So immediately when the master goes up to the heaven to be with the the father, do we go and use our talents or do we sit and we wait and close our doors? The church has got to open them up. And you gotta go. It says in Matthew 25, verse 18, and by the way, we're in Liberia, 
And your church is a, in a huge part of Liberia. You guys realize by faith, you sponsored four boxes, a revived school box, which you send a laptop, a projector that has all 730 lessons. You send them a USB stick. You send them cards and uh, wristbands. You send them scholarships to students. You guys, we have over seven groups in Liberia alone and you're sending four boxes because you believe you want those saints in Liberia to get ready just like we need it in America. Thank you. God is doing a new thing and it's not just in America. He's equipping the saints all over the world. But then there's always the one, Matthew 25, verse 18, it says, but the one who received one talent, he went off, he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. Well, that's probably not the best answer. And I love this quote here. I'm just gonna read it. A professor of mine, Tom Constable says, those who have no concern about people for the coming king, they'll do nothing with their opportunities. So how do I know if you believe that he's coming back on whether or not you're using your gifts? If you're not using your gifts, I actually believe you don't care that he's coming back. Folks, the church has to change in America. Does somebody agree we need a move of God in this country still? Guess what, you're the answer. That's never changed since the first century. We are the answer. And it goes in Matthew 25, verse 19. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and he settled accounts with them. Do you realize what it would be like? I got all kinds of verses, but all you need to know is that the son of man is coming and you better be ready. <laughs> what if he comes back? Because he is. Jesus even said in Revelation 22, 20, yes, I am coming quickly. And so if he's coming back, why is he coming back? This is the part that gets a little squirrely for all of us. He's coming back to settle accounts. He actually wants to know, what have you done with what I've given you? Do you actually believe you're essential? Because I'm coming, he says, to make sure you actually think this thing is true. And by the way, your mama can't tell you, your dad can't tell you, your grandpa can't tell you, you have to own it yourself. Every one of us is gonna be held accountable with what we've been entrusted with. And <laughs> here's what I love. I think a lot of us are gonna be surprised with what we haven't done. This is not a game. He's really coming back. And he really wants to know
Have you ever gotten to the point where you long for your kids? I have four kids. Have you ever gotten to the point where you just, you give everything to your kids and they kind of just blow it off? Remember that? They ask for this, they ask for this, you give it to them, and then what happens to it a week later? Just shoved into a corner. Guys, I don't want us to shove anything into the corner anymore. I want us to act like we've been given the best thing ever. And we have, by the way, it's life, eternal life. And because of this eternal life, then he gives us these gifts to make a radical difference. (laughs) Man, I'm sorry. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 20 and 21. This guy's coming to settle accounts and he approaches the man who has five talents. He presented five more talents and he said, master, you gave me five. Look, I've earned five more. And the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. And then basically, just so you know, 22 and 23, the guy says the same thing with the two talents. And so basically what you're having here, I'm gonna just tell you this, okay, is a time that could possibly be a description of the millennium. What do I mean by that? Okay, hang in here with me, theologically. Let's just say you have the tribulation, these seven years, okay? Whether you're here or not, doesn't matter. At some point in the millennium, you guys, Christ is gonna then say, I'm gonna say, you've done a great job. Now I'm gonna entrust you with these responsibilities in the thousand years. So do you realize what we're doing here could actually determine what we're entrusted with for the thousand year period of time before the new heaven and before the new earth? I kind of went fast, but I ha- are you with me on that? And so there's three things that happens when he says what you've done with these gifts. He says, oh, by the way, you're gonna get praise-filled approval by Jesus and only Jesus. Well done, he says. He also says, now I'm gonna give you more responsibility in the thousand-year reign because of what you did here in Bristol. It's not a salvation thing, by the way, at all. This is not a salvation thing. And then the third thing is, is he just says, you get to experience the Lord's joy. So you could, based on what you're doing here, you could be given more for the thousand years. All because you were an essential worker. It's interesting. uh, I want to just say this. What is a not an essential worker? I'm going to wrap up here. What is not an essential worker? Well, it's somebody who has no respect for the master. So how do you know if you're living it out and you're an essential worker? Well, you have no respect for Jesus. You're the worker that thinks you know what's best, not the master. So when he leaves, you think, well, I got this figured out. So then you get to the point of laziness. Then you get to the point of fear of failure. You're like, well, if I do something, what if I completely bomb? Join the club. And then you think you have plenty of time before the master returns. You are either an essential worker or you're not an essential worker. My hope and my prayer is that you would believe you are an essential worker. Jesus, just so you know, at the very end, (laughs) he calls the one, the non-essential worker, an easy, I'm sorry, uh, an evil, lazy slave. We don't know, there's lots of theological views. Is this guy a believer who lost his rewards? Is this guy a non-believer who, uh, you know, never gets into heaven? Is this a non-believer who goes to hell? There's lots of scenarios here. All I want you to know is that you are an essential worker that's been given gifts. Let's not mess around. So here's what I'd like to do. Uh, There's a prayer team that starts praying for you guys, that would love to pray for you guys. But we have all these Bibles and bands and these Bibles and bands, what do they do? They represent 
Uh, man, I'm way over time. Do I need to sign off and say goodbye? <laughs> if you're online and you want to check out, great. If not, stay with us. <laughs> I'm serious, actually, right now. Uh, these Bibles and bands, you guys, are just a symbol, okay? They're a symbol of you saying, I would like to represent the gospel coming into the new year. You're saying, hey, I'd like to take a wristband, I'd like to take a Bible, and I'd like to use my gifts, and I'd like to go share the gospel in 2020. One person, all we're asking is one, one person that you would go share in the month of January the gospel. I want Jesus to come back, and I want him to say, hey, well done, good and faithful servant, because you used what I entrusted you with. So the question of the day is, is do you want to be an essential worker or do you live like a non-essential worker? Phil, can I have you come on up with the mic? And Phil, I'm gonna have you do the call if you don't mind having people come on up if they want. Uh, my prayer is this, is that you hear my heart, he's coming back. And I want us to be ready as much as we can. Thank you, Kyle. Do you wanna be part of it? Are you in? That's the call. Are we in or are we not? That's the call for every single one of us. Let's stand together. And this is how we're gonna close. We're going to, uh, we're gonna pray. I'm just gonna pray over you um, a blessing as we go out. 2021 is coming in this week. Is it hard? Let me just put it this way. Is it hard to just commit to telling one person about Jesus in the next week? I'm just waiting for a response. Is it? <laughs> no one wants to commit. I'm sure all of you online are, are shaking your head. No, it's not hard. I know all of you are doing that. Is it hard, my friends, to just say, okay, I'm gonna tell one person? No. Are you willing to make the commitment? Oh, here we go. This is the Baptist legalism thing going on here. It's not, it's not at all. It's not at all. The, the call is not legalistic. The call is, will you be faithful to the calling? Because you have been called. We have all been called. And so we have been doing this for the last five years since Revive, and we found this tool of these Bibles and wristbands. We have them in Spanish, and we have them in, in English, um, we've got little cards that you can use. Um, the invitation is at the end of the service, come on up here. Come on up here when we're done, we dismiss. Come on up here, grab a Bible, grab two Bibles. You know, what we ask you to do is to, to use them if you take them, but come and get a Bible, get a wristband, spend some time with it so you can clearly articulate the gospel and make the commitment. And all you have to do is this. This is the prayer God will always answer. Father, show me person you want me to share the gospel with. He will not let you down. You, it probably will happen today if you make the commitment. The question is, are you going to be an essential worker? Are you going to see yourself as God sees you as an essential worker? Thank you for that. So good for today. So uh, Father, I just pray that you'll strengthen us as a church. I pray that you will use us as your church.
that you will burden our hearts with this truth today that we will be so challenged to go out and share what has been given so freely to us and to generously share it with other people. Would you just use us in this, Lord? I'm not talking, I I do wanna pray for your entire church. But right now, today, I just wanna ask for this body, this local assembly, would you just use us? What awesome things would happen if we would just be obedient. So help us with that, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. So I invite you to come up at the end here, um, grab some Bibles and wristbands, go out there and share Jesus with people. Um, If you have any other physical need, spiritual need, emotional need that we can help with, our prayer team will be down here as always to pray over those things with you. God bless you, my friends. As you go into 2021, let's go like a lion out into the world with the gospel. You're dismissed. for joining us for our worship service online today. Our hope is that the worship and teaching has stirred your affections for Jesus Christ and has inspired you to love God, love others, and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or if you just want prayer with somebody, would you click on our connection card link and there you can find the help that you need. Also, we encourage you if you haven't already, Download our church app from the App Store today so that you can connect with us in that way and the many different tools that it offers. As always, our website offers a host of opportunities and resources for you, and you can find that at fbcalcart.org. Hey, thank you again for joining us today. We'll see you right back here next week. See ya.